Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. It is a Monday. We're back with episode 576. It's supposed to be a motivational Monday. <laughs> uh, it is the 5th of February. 2024. That's right. The year of our Lord 2024 is here. We're on the second month, February, the first Monday of the month. Well, that means that I get to go to the Cowan County Republican Party's executive committee meeting. Oh, joy. What fun that will be tonight. So I'm going to spend today, this episode, if you will, talking about staying motivated because I got to be honest, a lot of this stuff is just plain exhausting and I like this stuff. I mean, Maybe I've got something wrong with me. Maybe it's, you know, there's a defect or there's an abnormality, but I like political stuff. And if you're following this podcast, you probably know that by now. Hey, yeah, he spends a lot of time looking in all this stuff. Well, yes, because quite frankly, I would love nothing more than to be left alone. I would love nothing more than to move out to five to 10 acres you know, an hour out of town or 45 minutes out of town, depending on what size town it is, and do my little permaculture lifestyle out there and check out from all the crazy, all the nonsense, and just exist, enjoy myself. The problem is they just won't leave us alone. They just won't respect the people don't want to be fooled with. And when I say they, I mean all government all the time. Not a right or left thing, just a government in and above itself thing. They just cannot and will not leave people alone. So I I have no choice. I, I feel called to fight back, to stand in the gap, to push back, to hold the line, to do something. And I have a voice. I have a strong will. And for whatever reason, God has blessed me with the ability to let a lot of things go. So here I am. So... That being said, it is exhausting, even to me. There are times where I wonder, why do I do this? What is the point? What, what am I getting from this? Is this taking away from other things I could or should be doing? And those are all fair questions. As a matter of fact, my wife has asked me on more than one occasion, why are you still doing this? The answer that I jokingly respond, and you've heard this before, I'm saving the republic. We're preserving the Republic. And there's a lot of truth in that. But the problem is, is I can't do it alone. I can make a difference. We know that one person can make a difference, but I can't do it alone. I need the help of the normal people out there. The average person that would just like to go about their business, go to work, put their kids in school, come home, enjoy their weekend, spend time with family. I need you guys to pay attention. I need you guys to Read between the lines sometimes. I need you guys to understand that pretty much every elected official lies. And while that is true, and while there's probably nothing we can specifically do to stop the lying, we can replace the ones that lie and lie profusely, or quite frankly, work against us. I actually understand the idea where you would have an elected official that can't be completely truthful, can't tell you all that's going on. I get that. But when they're actively working against us, when they're actively working to subvert our government, they're actively working to subvert our country, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. They have big words that you know have steep consequences for people to do this, yet 
the majority of the people just don't care because they accept and understand that politicians lie. That's what they do. They deceive. It's part of their sales pitch. It's part of their marketing. Much like every brand and every product that you buy, it's all about the marketing. So that leads to a certain moral confusion, right? You don't really know what's right. You don't know what's the proper thing to do. You know, you're focusing on the idea of the lesser of evils. And that's disheartening. That's, that's disappointing. You want to be able to support and work for something that's good. To a certain extent, I actually approve of that idea, right? You want what's good and you want to find somebody that's good and run them and put them in place. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm convinced that pretty much everybody that we currently have representing us in the Texas house was a good man, or in one case, a woman, when they started. That they went there with the best of intentions. They wanted to represent us well, and they wanted to do good, quote, conservative things. But when they get there, they have to compromise. When they get there, they understand that's not the way things work in Austin. They understand that there's other things going on. They understand they have to negotiate and do different things. And that's frustrating. We don't want to accept the black, or we don't want to accept the gray. We want to stick with black and white. We want to understand that, in some instances, the might should make right. In other words, we have a strong majority in both the houses. Why don't we win? Why don't we get these things? Well, look, there's some people that are just plain fraudulent. They're not really Republicans. Now, I'm really careful because I've always said there's a Republican and then there's a conservative. And the sad thing about the conservatives is they, quite frankly, don't figure out how to conserve anything. But setting that aside, that you've got this great big tent of Republicans, which when this, when the state flipped, we picked up a large portion of those people that became Republicans just so they could run and win for or run and win an election. They didn't really actually stand for any of our principles per se. It was, that's what I want to do to get in power. Now, coincidentally enough, they might support, you know, even a majority of the platform. And let's be honest, the majority of our platform is pretty benign, pretty obvious, pretty simple, nothing crazy there. Now, there are some parts of the platform that requires you to take a stand, that requires you to, you know, be unwilling to make these certain compromises. And that's great, but I don't think anybody ever expects that the elected official will stand 100% behind a platform that quite frankly is 300 some odd planks long and has a lot of intricate details that quite frankly in and of itself is exhausting. <laughs> that being said, it is our duty, our job to represent our districts well, represent our party well. And the platform is one of the ways we do that. So we're working to eliminate the moral confusion by spelling it all out in the platform and then when we have candidates that run and say they support the platform, they can be truthful that they support the platform as a whole, but in fact, they reject several items in it. And we're left with this quandary. Well, what do we do now? Well, the argument of might makes right. Well, then we're just going to find somebody and run somebody against them. Well, yeah, that sounds really good until you realize that as it stands, maybe 15, maybe 20% of eligible voters actually show up to vote. And of that percentage, let's say 35% of them are hardcore Democrats. 
And let's say that 40%, we're being generous, 40% are real Republicans. That leaves 25% of the electorate that actually determines the outcome of each election. Now, the default answer in many cases in Texas is I'm going to vote for the Republican. So the difference is the primaries, right? You get to choose who the best candidate is in the primary. Therein lies the problem. So let's let's take a minute and let's focus on three simple changes that would fix a large number of problems that we have in the state of Texas. And probably for that reason, they're not going to happen in my lifetime. I mean, I'm just being honest. I, I don't know that they're going to actually happen, but I think that we can all agree that they're a good thing. We can all agree, even if you are a moderate, that this is a better outcome, a better choice. So step one, close the primaries. If you voted in a Democrat primary the term before, unless you go and fill out paperwork that says I'm a Republican now, you cannot vote in a Republican primary and vice versa. If you're an independent or you haven't voted in a previous primary, you must go fill out a document stating you're a Republican. Yes, I know people lie and people sign this. I get it. But it's going to cut down a lot on the crossover voting. Is it going to solve the problem entirely? No, but it's going to be a giant leap forward. Okay, so that's simple. That's one. Close primaries. We could go a step further and just nominate the candidates at a convention or a caucus, if you will. And there's something to be argued and said that that might be a better option. Other states do it. We used to do it that way. But for whatever reason, we're fixated on the idea that having a whole bunch of people that are uninformed should come in and make those decisions. So if that's the better answer, then if we at least close the primary, we shut out the other people that have more nefarious motives coming in, interfering in our primary election, right? So if, if you're not willing to explore a caucus or a convention, okay. Secondarily, right now you have to look at the idea of all municipal elections, set the groundwork for future elections. And we might as well just go ahead and be honest. They're partisan races. Now, sadly, we, tr well, I don't want to say this. We did try to keep them nonpartisan for a very long time, but sadly, people realized that no matter how hard you tried and no matter how much you pretended they were nonpartisan, they were always partisan and they were always partisan to the city fathers or the city leadership or the little clique. And almost always their establishment Democrat or establishment Republican. They're not really concerned about the grassroots. They're not really concerned about what's best. It's about them and them first. And to a certain extent, I can appreciate that. And the city fathers or the founding people that they had a best interest in mind for the entirety of the population, but that's not really the case anymore, is it? I mean, we have seen this drift further and further away. And then the third item, and you might find this interesting, the state of Washington last year passed a constitutional amendment stating that if an elected official has 10 days of unapproved absences, they were no longer eligible to run for re-election. They would finish their term and they couldn't run again. And the state Supreme Court just determined, yeah, that's appropriate. We can do this. Now, what does this mean? Well, see, in the state of Washington, they have the exact opposite problem that we have in the state of Texas. It's run by Democrats and the Republicans are such a small minority. They can't do anything unless 
they vacate, right? They break the quorum. Well, the Democrats got tired of that. So they pushed this through. And what's sad is it passed at like 68%. Again, Portland, Salem, right? They drive all politics in the entire... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Washington? Why would I say Portland? Portland's in Oregon. I apologize. I might have my state wrong. I'm 90% sure it's the state of Washington. And if that's the case, it's going to be Seattle, Tacoma, not Portland, Salem. So my apologies. The state of Washington did this and they basically destroyed any chance of Republicans or conservatives ever being able to do anything in the state. Now, whether or not that was for the best, in other words, force people to show up and do their job, I can't say. But the reality is, there's nothing preventing us from doing that in the state of Texas. Oh, we can also say we're just going to eliminate the quorum requirement, but ah, that's probably not going to happen because that protects Republicans, right? It, reflects, or it protects the rhinos, the squishes, the moderates. They don't want to take these hard votes. I get it. And it's a great fundraising opportunity for both sides. Well, all oh, those darn Democrats, they fled the state again. And then the Democrats say, we're fleeing the state to protect all of you out there. Does anybody actually buy this anymore? I don't know, but that's where we're at. <laughs> and, you know, I just realized I'm almost halfway in the show and I didn't do my proper intro. So forgive me. I'll do that now. The best way you can continue to help me, the best way you can continue to make a difference and get our voices heard is to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow me on your social media of choice. You can follow the podcast on your podcatcher of choice. I am currently home-based on Podbean. Quite frankly, I've still not found a better option. I'm not thrilled about everything about Podbean, but it does the job and it does the job fine. That being said, social media. I am over at Facebook. I've got a page and a group over there, according to Callis. And I'm at MeWe and Gab. Again, just drop in, visit. And I have an Instagram account, according to Callis. For those of you that are younger than me that actually use Instagram, all these will contain links to this program. My program basically subsists on the idea that if you download it, it counts as a listen, right? So when you download the show, it ranks it or it copies it or it creates a list of all the shows that are downloaded. And, you know, this is an algorithm thing. I assume that at some point they decide they don't like what's in that program and they hide it or they lower the numbers. How, how else would you go from having 888 or whatever the number was downloads and the day before was 25 and the day before that was 660 something. It, it doesn't make any sense unless something's going on. Now I can understand why some of the topics are a little iffy. Maybe, you know, the Podbean is getting a little squirrely, much like Spotify did for a bit, but here's the deal. If you can't speak truth, if you can't talk about the things as you understand them, what's the point? Now, keeping in mind, this is not a free speech issue per se. These are private organizations that I get to buy space on their programming. And they can determine if they feel like what I'm saying is in compliance with what their requirements are. They have every right to do that. Now, if government is manipulating that, then that's kind of a violation of the First Amendment rights, right? The guarantee to free speech, the guarantee of free press. 
but we don't have direct evidence that the government's doing that. The only claim on that would be if the government was manipulating things. And this would be good if my fellow Republicans and conservatives would remember this. There are no free speech protections when you're dealing with a private corporation, unless and until that private corporation is being manipulated by some form of government. Government is the only thing that can truly infringe on your free speech. That being said, it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it a good thing. It's, it's still terrible that any media platform would do that because I'm not advocating for any violence. I'm not advocating people break the law. I'm not advocating people do bad things per se. I mean, some people could probably classify just voting for Republican as a bad thing, but that's not what I do. That's, that's not my shtick, if you will. That's, that's not where my heart is. What my heart is, that I want people to be educated, activated, and be involved. I really am less concerned if you disagree with 5 or 10% of what I've had to say, and more concerned of, did you learn something, and did you do something about it? I'm perfectly content with the idea that, as in the case in most places I go, I'm in the 5 to 1 percentile, right, of the most radical liberty person there. Now, the only time that doesn't really happen is if I go to Libertarian Party things, and I haven't been there in quite some time. But those guys, those are solid guys. They get, or ladies too, some of the things we just disagree on, but you know what? I'm not worried about them getting those things because I can't even get the most basic things done as a Republican. But that being said, let's let's move on. I've digressed a little bit too much. So we've talked a little bit about the idea where there's this moral confusion, right? We don't know what the right thing is. We don't know what the right action is sometimes. We don't know what we're going to get out of voting for the lesser of two evils or voting for the least evil. We, we've talked a little bit about the notion that might should make right. In other words, I have a majority, so what I want should win. And we've talked a little bit about the idea that, well, your majority isn't really a majority if you're allowing the other people to manipulate the outcome. So we've talked about three probable solutions to quit the manipulation. Just to recap, we're going to close the primaries. We're going to go ahead and make municipal races partisan because all races are partisan. We know this. And the third thing is, pretend, well, setting that aside, a, a, another option, if you will, that a closed primary would be a convention or a caucus to nominate candidates, Right. So we'll lump that in with the first thing of a closed primary. And then the third thing is pass a constitutional amendment stating if you vacate your office for 10 days unexcused, you're not eligible to run again. So we won't have people fleeing to Oklahoma or fleeing to D.C. on fundraising missions. No, they're going to actually have to stay and do their job. Or if they do flee, they don't get to run next term. And if we do it as a constitutional amendment, even the Texas Supreme Court can't decide, well, no, you can't do that. They have to actually follow through because the Constitution says so. And apparently, we know this works and the feds will stay out of it because it's been done in the state of Washington. Now, maybe I'm asking for too much here, right? Maybe this is a leap too far, but these are really simple things we could do and should do, and we should use our Senate District Convention to put forth these ideas. We should use our state convention to put forth these ideas, but therein lies another problem. We've spent so much time beating up on our existing candidates, and some of them deserve it. They just do. But we have other candidates 
that are incumbents that, quite frankly, don't deserve the beating they're getting, in my opinion. And feel free to disagree with me. So how do we do this? How do we reach out and get these people to be on our side? What do we do? I, I think... I, and I want to believe that's something that Matt Rinaldi has been looking at. And I, I want to believe that the, the state party is looking at how can we work with the system as it is now to improve the situation so we're not always getting robbed by the legitimate rhinos and by the Democrats who have gamed the system to manipulate things so really punish us or prevent us from doing the things that we honestly want done. Setting aside the fact that we're going to be importing 5,000 new illegal immigrants every day by this new Senate bill that apparently is going to get shoved through and jammed down our throats. Now, I have, I don't, I don't want to spend a lot, I'm, I'm going to avoid that topic. Let's just say they're stacking the deck against us. And I don't know what that means long term other than it's not good. There is ultimately another solution that can be utilized, that should be utilized at some point that has hit a roadblock. I'm not even going to mention it today because I'm wondering if that's part of the problem, why the show gets hit every once in a while. But if you know anything about Tuesdays, I should give you the answer. So on a personal note, I, I just I want to set this aside here real quick. I made a number of endorsements on Friday. I stand by those endorsements. I could make some recommendations. I don't know that I want to do that at this time. There are a lot of races in Collin County that there are two qualified individuals running. They're both decent people running, and I don't have a strong favorite. I, I'm not willing to put my name on one over the other. And it's not that I think one's worse or, or, well, let me phrase that. It's not that I not, or it's not that I'm afraid to choose one over the other. It's, I don't think I want to create a problem with somebody that I don't have to. So that would be where a recommendation would come in, right? You would choose to recommend one person over the other. I haven't made my decision yet. If I want to do that, there's at least five or six races where I could do that. That being said, I will do it on one. Uh, and I think this is going to create some ire with some friends of mine, particularly friends out in Frisco. They know who they are. But I got to tell you, based upon what I've seen, this, I think, is the best option. My recommendation is, notwithstanding, let's call it a bad choice, Matt Shaheen, I think, is the best person, my recommendation to send back down to Austin. Is he perfect? No. Do I understand why he makes some of the choices he makes? No, but it is entirely conceivable. He knows things that I don't. It's entirely conceivable that he's playing the long game. It's entirely conceivable that he could have been corrupted too. Yes, I am aware, but I don't believe that to be the case. I've met Matt many years ago. I have an open communication with him. We talk frankly. I don't see anything beyond a single vote that legitimately has a lot of people upset for good reason that he made to justify replacing the guy. That being said, the guy that's running against him, I have no ill will towards him. I don't think he's a bad guy. In fact, I don't think he'd be a bad representative. And if that's your preference, 
even if it's for just this one vote, fine, I get it. Go ahead. But if you're going to ask me, if you're going to pin me down, if you're going to say, what's the better choice here? I got to tell you, my recommendation is sticking with Matt Shaheen. And I realize, I realize I'm going to, I'm going to get called names and I'm going to have friends upset with me and whatever else to which I would say respectfully, sometimes the devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't. And no, I'm not calling him the devil. It's just a turn of phrase. All right. Personal note over. Let's go on. So now that I've spent a lot of time going through all this and messed up my intro, let me wrap this up. I will be the first to tell you that even I, who really likes this stuff, I, I invigorate myself sometimes on the challenges and getting things done and making a difference. Fighting and arguing with people that are supposed to be on my team over tedious little things and doing battle royale for the notion that, you know, an otherwise good state representative or state senator or whatever, they made a bad choice or a choice that we hate. Well, that doesn't automatically disclude them from being able to service further. I mean, these are the kind of things that just wear on me as a person. And if it wears on me and I like this stuff, I can only imagine what the average voter, what the, you know, Joe Sixpack, you know, to borrow the old term, thinks about these things. They just roll their eyes and disengage and they're not interested. Now, a lot of that comes down to the fact that the Republican Party as a whole both national, state, and even in Collin County, we have really bad messaging. We have really bad marketing. We have poor follow through. Now, granted, the Democrats are not significantly better at this than us yet. At the national level, they are. At the state level, they're still a mess. But in Collin County, they're closing that gap. And we better figure things out. We better get a plan. And we better start putting down our swords that we're taking out against people on our own team. We got to quit shooting each other in the back and the foot and the head and focus on the general idea that we want good people to win. We want good people to represent us. And quite frankly, 75% has got to be good enough. Sometimes when you go all in and try and run the gauntlet and run everybody out the door, what do you think those people are going to think when they win? Now they may go, 4-0 on us in Collin County, when if you if you count Justin, it'd be 5-0, I guess. But if they go 4-0 on us, when the entirety of the apparatus of the Collin County Republican Party basic was aligned against them via the precinct chairs, they're going to say, well, what difference do you make? You're irrelevant, and I don't care what you think. And quite frankly, I'm going to put zero interest in what you have to say, and I'm not going to work with you anymore. And why would you blame them? We created a hostile environment. Now, do some of those candidates deserve a little hostility? Yes, absolutely. Do some of those candidates deserve a slap on the wrist? Yes. But that can be done privately. That can be done with some intentional conversations, some hard conversations. But when you take part in what is only could be akin to is a, well, well let's say it, in not well-planned purge, it's going to backfire in my humble opinion. And I'm not looking forward to the consequences of that. And I've made it clear there are at least two candidates that I'm not supporting. In fact, I've endorsed their opponents, knowing full well that it is going to be extremely long odds that they both win. 
But I feel that, and I think that, that was the best decision I could make in that regard. That being said, I have no control over what the outcome is. I'm not even in those districts. I can't vote for any of those people. I can encourage other people in those districts, if they know them, to vote for them. I can I can encourage people to, hey, if you're not sure and you live in District 67 or District 89, probably ought to look at what your incumbent's done versus what these other guys running against them are willing to do, what they're willing to say, how they want to approach things. Now, is that going to be enough? I don't know. When you're getting outspent, you know, five or 10 to one, that's a tough row to hoe. When you've got the governor, the lieutenant governor, the speaker funding or helping fund your campaigns, that's tough to overcome. But rather than complain about it, rather than, you know, make enemies, no, I would just suggest, I don't like you. We're not going to vote for you. But if you win, yeah, you're going to be our guy because we have no other choice. The other, the other choice is unthinkable. The other choice is far worse. And we all know that. So we need to quit acting like... <sighs> candidates that we're not happy with are the devil incarnate, that, that they're equivalent of a Democrat. But that's what we do. We spend all of our time fighting amongst ourselves, beating each other off, or be- <laughs> beating each other up. We need to focus on what the problems are. That is why we must tarry. That is why I don't give up. That is why I don't stop. That is why I will continue to invest and show up and do the work that I need to do. That is why I'm going to do everything I can to ensure that one, the party moves forward, two, that our conservative, that our liberty-based issues get addressed, and three, that I'm going to advocate as positively and as strongly as I can for the things that I believe in. I'm encouraging anybody and everybody that's listening to me to do the same thing. Set aside the bickering, set aside the personal differences, set aside the slights, grow a thicker skin, whatever it is you need to do, we need to focus on the bigger picture. We need to focus on the end goal. The end goal is we get our things done. We get our policies implemented. We protect our border. We protect our election cycles. We get better and more aggressive laws put in the books to protect our liberties. We ensure that we have good, solid candidates from now into a long distance in the future. And the only way we can do that is if we're constantly developing good people to become candidates at some point in the future. And we need to quit looking at every little setback as the end of the world. We need to quit looking at not getting absolute perfection as being evil. We need to understand that 417 and 2 is not a good record. That 417 and 2 is not a way to go forward. That 417 and 2 does nobody any favors. And quite frankly, we need to understand that 417 and 2 is a reflection on bad choices. And it's only when you're willing to reevaluate and discuss how did we get here that you can look at how do we fix it. And you can't constantly blame everybody else for that shortcoming until you're willing to recognize your own. So I will put this out. It'll be posted at 5 p.m. or actually 4.45 on the podcast, but shared on social media at 5. 
Tonight, we're going to have that executive committee meeting. Tonight, I have no idea what the circus is going to look like. And quite frankly, the executive committee meeting has become on par with the McKinney School Board meetings. We need to think of a better way to do things. And we need to think of a way to look at people that are on our team as being actually on our team. We need to set aside these petty bickering and get stuff done. I just... I'm done. I'm over this. I'm ready to do something else at this point. But guess what? I cannot and I will not. I will tarry. And I will tarry on until victory is brought. And I don't know if that's going to be two months, two years, 20 years, or I'm in the grave beforehand. But I am looking at it as victory is ours if we're just willing to stay in the fight. It's a war of attrition at this point. And I'm not going to turn it over to people that can't see the forest for the trees, and I'm sure as heck not going to turn it over to the Democrats, the leftist progressive hordes that want to destroy the very country and the very fabric of Texas. No, you cannot and you shall not do that. <laughs> as if I could forbid you. But this is why I do what I do. This is why I want you to do something more than what you're doing now. And with that, this has been According to Callus. And I will see you on the other side.